I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 33 and 34 of Breaking Dawn. So chapter 33 is called Forgery, and I've got to make a confession. This whole Jay Jenks thing, like, I think I was building it up to be something that it was never going to be. I think that's on me. A little bit of it's on Steph. I will say it's on Steph that she dragged that out and didn't really plot something that would pack a punch, but it's actually a flop. And we get to it in this chapter, and I I really must apologize. But before we get to that, where we left off, a bunch of vampires rocked up to the house. So now there's 27 of them. So many that we needed an index for reference. So this chapter opens up with Bella on the phone to Charlie. And she's pretty much saying, oh, don't come over. (laughs) Don't come over. And he says, why? And she's like, ah, it's need to know basis. It's, you know, wink, wink, supernatural wink. She's like, please don't come over. We've got 27 vampires. We're making them hunt out of town, but you never know what will happen if you invite a lamb to the slaughter. So Bella offers to bring Renesmee over and he says, all right, we'll do it this morning. Sue's bringing me lunch. She's just as horrified by my cooking as you were when you first showed up. And then Charlie laughed and then she says, and sighed for the old days, which feels presumptuous. We don't know what he's sighing over. He's probably sighing about how much you made fun of him for not being able to cook and how you belittled him. But no, from Bella's perspective, he's sighing for the old days. And she's like, yep, great. She's jazzed about it because she wants to go and visit Jay Jenks, which is going to be flop and boring, but she's finally pulled the finger out of her ass and she's going to go and investigate the scavenger hunt that Alice left for her. In the words of Lizzo, about damn time. So she's going to go over with Jacob and Charlie says something like, oh, maybe I should invite Billy too. And then he's like, oh, maybe another time. And Bella's like, oh, that's weird, but she doesn't probe further. So I don't know, maybe there's something going on between Billy and Charlie, like they're having a fight or something. I don't know if that will ever get resolved. Bella's a great fucking daughter to not even ask, but (laughs) okay. She goes, yep, see you soon. So her and Jacob head over in Edward's Volvo. Jacob wanted to take the Ferrari, but she's like, nah, that's too much. She doesn't like her aftercar, of course, because she's ungrateful is what she is. So they get in the car and she's like, oh, how are you holding up? And he's like, yeah, I'm sick of the fucking vampires is what I'm sick of. Particularly Dracula 1 and Dracula 2. They're creep-tacular, which I think Jacob's doing like a a Dracula pun there. So good for him with the wordplay, but he's referring to the two Romanians that are creeping everybody out. And Bella's like, yeah, I hear you. They creep me out too, except they don't creep out Renesmee. She says, 
that Renesme found the Romanians strangely fascinating. She'd made the effort to speak to them aloud since they would not let her touch them. Her question was about their unusual skin. And though I was afraid they might be offended, I was kind of glad she'd asked. I was curious too. And so the Romanians were quite cool with it. They're like, oh yeah, we'll tell you. So Vladimir says, we sat still for a very long time, child. So they just were sitting still for like, I don't know, centuries or something and started to petrify. He says they were sitting contemplating their own divinity. It was a sign of our power that everything came to us. Prayed, diplomats, those seeking our favor, blah, blah, blah. So they just sat on their thrones and thought themselves gods. And they didn't notice for a long time that they were changing, almost petrifying. And I guess they didn't notice until the Volturi attacked. And so they're like, well, we're grateful for the Volturi for stopping the petrification process. What? Like, first of all, okay, vampires don't need to sit. Remember Bella was like, I could stand all day. I'm perfectly comfortable. And the Cullens only sit to look human. So it does make you wonder why these Romanians were sitting on thrones and the Volturi were sitting on thrones. I guess it's performative. I guess if you're going to be the leader of a cult, you want to have a throne, even though you don't technically need to sit. And so, okay, I get also, yeah, they're sitting so still they petrify, but can they have been that still? He said prey came to them, so they had to eat people. Like, were they having an IV drip hooked up to them with blood? No, they were, they were at least bending their neck a little bit, but apparently not, they petrified. And also, what have you got to, what have you got to think so long about? They were sat there thinking about their divinity. It's like, whoa, wouldn't you get bored? I can't meditate. I try and do like a 20 minute meditation every now and then. And I just, I just get so freaking bored. And here they are meditating for like decades or centuries on end. More power to them, really. So they're in the car and Jacob says, how long do we get to hang out with Charlie? And she's like, yeah, for quite a while. And he's like, wait a minute. Is something going on here besides visiting your dad? And she says, Jake, you know how you're pretty good at controlling your thoughts around Edward? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, what? Is he good at controlling his thoughts? I never thought that he was. And maybe she is actually being sarcastic, saying in like a roundabout way that she doesn't want to tell him because he'll think about it instinctually, like whenever he's in front of Edward. But I think he is like, yeah, I am good at controlling the thoughts because he's like, yeah, I am. And no, he's not. Like we've been in his POV, everything that he was saying in narration, he was thinking. And like with the idea for Bella to drink blood while pregnant, that was Jacob's idea that Edward heard through his mind. So like, we know that he's not good at controlling his thoughts. And also I think it's quite impossible to control your thoughts. Alice manages it because she's thinking through facts and thinking in different languages, but that takes a lot of effort. So I think she's being sarcastic. Anyway, she doesn't say anything else because she doesn't want Jacob to know what she's up to because then Edward will know what she's up to. And so Jacob just shuts up. He doesn't ask any more questions. Jacob's been a lot easier to get along with since he imprinted on a baby, hasn't he? Like he was quite insufferable until he imprinted on that kid. And now I'm thinking, thank God he did because he's much more pleasant to be around. He's not asking question. Nothing's a fight. Oh, remember everything used to be a fight. No, he's, he's easy breezy cover girl. He's great fun to be around. He's good company. So I'm really enjoying the pedophile werewolf. And so then um, she's like, blah, blah, blah. We drove in silence. Oh, she's still wearing the contacts. Oh, brother, she's still wearing the colored contacts so that her father, who pretty much knows she's a vampire or something, doesn't get too suspicious and stressed. She says, my eyes were not as ghoulish as they had been in the beginning. Definitely closer to a dull reddish orange than to bright crimson. 
Soon they'd be amber enough for me to quit the contacts. I hoped the change wouldn't upset Charlie too much. Like what? He's babysitting a child that wasn't born a few days ago and is now looking five years old. And to be quite frank, I don't think he's even gonna notice your eye color. I really don't. And so then they arrive and Charlie's like, oh, hey, Nessie. Oh, seems like it's been years. Look at you. You've grown half a foot. And like, yeah, that's not a normal growth spurt. Of course, something's going on. And I think if he can handle the demon child growing like in front of his eyes, I think he can handle some colored contacts being removed. Like pull your head out of your ass, Bella. Oh, but also Renesmee doesn't talk in front of Charlie. She never speaks in front of Charlie because that would freak him out. Even though she's going to look like a teenager next week. But uh. so Bella just drops her off and says, well, I got to go. I got to run some errands. And they're like, what? And she's like, yeah, I got to run errands. And Charlie's like, oh, you're behind on your Christmas shopping, hey, Bells. And she's like, yes, Christmas shopping. She forgot it was even Christmas time. So she just leaves and she looks at Jacob and she's thinking, well, even if he does think about this in front of Edward, Edward won't know what the hell's going on. So she's like, I'm doing pretty good. So then she starts driving off to Seattle. She quickly thinks about how good she is at driving now because her reflexes are better. (laughs) I hate that. And then she thinks about how her shield expanding lessons have been going well. At one point, she was even able to push the shield outside of her own brain so that Zafrina could send her an image for a second. So that's interesting. Doesn't really help in the grand scheme of things with with the battle coming up, but oh yeah, that's interesting. She compares it to like strengthening her. She says, like exercising muscles in the stomach and back rather than just the arms. So I don't know if she's ever heard of leg day, but that's the metaphor she's going with. And here's where she finally confirms that she's going to see Jay Jenks and she's got the address that Alice had given her. But she also Googled him and found another address somewhere else. But she's like, I'll just go to the one Alice gave me first, which would make sense. And so, okay, apparently... It's not a nice neighborhood. And I know that because she says to say that it wasn't a nice neighborhood would be an understatement. She's like, even the most nondescript of the Cullen's cars would stand out and be outrageous on this street. She's like, I should be driving my old Chevy. She says, during my human years, I would have locked the doors and driven away as fast as I dared. But now she's like, hmm, I can handle it. I wonder what Alice has been doing in this area. So she's saying that it's really a rundown neighborhood. There's a dodgy tattoo parlor. There's a daycare with duct tape holding the broken front window together. None of the buildings have lights on. There's a few people about standing in the rain, shuffling around. And then she gets to the house, to the address. And there's someone on the porch reading the newspaper and whistling. And she's like, oh, that's a nice whistle. And then she's like, oh wait, this is the place that I needed to be. So so she just stopped in front of this random house to admire this guy whistling. And it just happened to be the address she was looking for. So that's a happy coincidence. But why is she stopping to hear some guy whistle? And so the guy who's whistling, he's like, what the fuck's this person in the car doing staring at me whistling? And he says, hey lady, hey lady, maybe you shouldn't park there. It might not be here when you get back. So then Bella starts flirting with him. She's like, oh yeah, well, I'm actually looking for someone. And he's like, I'm someone. What can I do for you, beautiful? And she says, are you Jay Jenks? And he's like, no. (laughs) And he says, why are you looking? And she says, that's my business. And so then he says, you don't look like the usual customer. She's like, I'm probably not, but I need to see him. She's like, all right, well, what's your name? And he says, Max. And she says, nice to meet you, Max. And he's obviously besotted because she's so beautiful now. And he says, you don't look like Jay's usual clients. 
your kind doesn't bother with the downtown office, you just go straight up to his fancy office in the skyscraper. So they go back and forth being vague. He obviously thinks she might be a cop or something. And he says, look lady. And she says, call me Bella, which I don't know if I would have just said my name, but I guess she's not afraid of the law anymore. If she is doing something dodgy and committing a crime, well, like who really cares since the Volturi are coming to attack her? Like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, she could be doing a drug deal right now and she don't give a shit. She'll give everyone a name. And so Max says, look, mate, like, I don't know if I should let you through to Jay because you could get him in trouble because I think you're a police officer. And she says, wait a minute, you've never seen anyone like me here before? Well, what about sort of like me? My sister is a lot shorter than me and she has dark spiky black hair. So she's trying to play the angle that like, look, I'm sexy and pale. So have you seen anyone else sexy and pale? And Max is like, uh, so Jay knows your sister? And she's like, yep. And he's like, oh gosh, okay. Well, why don't I do- just give Jay a call and describe this sexy pale girl with the short black hair and see if that jots his memory. And then she thinks, wait a minute, what did Jay Jenks know? Would my description mean something to him? That was a troubling thought. Like she thinks that maybe he knows about vampires. And the only thing that he knows about vampires is that they're sexy and pale. And so then she's like, you know what? Have my full name. My, my full name is Bella Cullen, if that helps. And then she's getting annoyed at Alice. She says, I was starting to get irritated with Alice. Did I really have to be quite this blind? She could have given me one or two more words. Like, oh my God, she gave you the name and the address. What did you want her to say? Like, enter the building, mention my name. She wasn't gonna say like, oh, say you know me and that I'm sexy and pale. Surely with a name and address, you could just figure it out, Bella. So this Max character, he calls Jay Jenks. And Jay Jenks is like, what the hell? What are you calling for? Is it an emergency? And he says, no, nah, a girl wants to see you. And he's like, well, why won't you just follow normal procedure? And he says, I didn't follow normal procedure cause she don't look like any kind of normal. And it's like, what? Uh, she's pretty. She hasn't got tentacles coming out of her head. Like they're, they're acting like they've never seen anyone pretty before. And Jay Jenks is like, what does she look like a cop? And he's like, no, not like that. And he says, well, what does she look like? And he says, well, she looks like a freaking supermodel. That's what she looks like. And I was like, okay. And he says, rocking body, pale as a sheet, dark brown hair, almost to a waist, needs a good night's sleep. Any of this sounding familiar? Hair almost down to her waist. Did we know that before? Is she rocking extensions? And he's like, does that sound familiar to you? And Jay Jenks is like, no. I guess it sounds like actual supermodels that exist in the world, but no, it's not ringing any bells. So then Max is like, oh, okay, well, if that doesn't ring any bells, I'll guess I'll just leave you be. And Bella's like, say my fucking name to him. And he goes, oh yeah, also her name is Bella Cullen. Does that mean anything? And so then the voice on the other end of the phone's like, of course that fucking means something. By the way, Bella can hear the voice on the other end of the phone because she's got super hearing like that. That that's, makes sense, right? Anyway, so he's like, of course, why didn't you fucking tell me that her name was Cullen? And Max is like, well, you didn't ask. And so then. Jay Jenks wants to clarify and he's like, wait a minute, is she beautiful and pale? And he's like, yes, I said that she's beautiful and pale. And then Bella's thinking, beautiful and pale? What did this man know about vampires? Because anyone who's beautiful and pale must be a vampire. Like, sorry, Gigi Hadid, you're probably a vampire. And she's thinking, oh, is Jay Jenks one of us? She's like, I'm not up for that. Anyway, long story fucking short, Max says, all right, Bella, Jay wants to see you right now. You're a priority client. 
go on up to the big address. And then he also continues to flirt with her. He's like, so what are you? Not a cop then? And she's like, no. And he says, what are you, a drug boss then? And she's like, no. And he's like, well, is your boyfriend the drug lord? And she's like, no. She goes, I'm not really a fan of drugs and neither is my husband. Just say no and all that. So, okay, she's quoting the just say no to drugs like advertising campaign from like the 80s and 90s. And this bitch, every time she has a human memory, she'll say, oh, my human memory is fuzzy and indistinct. Like she doesn't remember much of her life. Like traumatic events that happened in her life, she's starting to forget. And she remembers the just say no anti-drug campaign from the 80s. Like, was she even born? How is that clear as a bell? Like Nancy Reagan, you really did a good job with that one, doll, because it's sticking in people's heads. And also like, you've got the address, you've got the go ahead. Why are you hanging around flirting with Max telling him how anti-drugs you are? Like, just, just fucking leave. And he's like, what are you, part of the mafia? And she's like, no. And he says, you smuggled diamonds. And she was like, Max, stop. And she says, I had to admit, I was enjoying myself a little bit. I hadn't interacted with humans much besides Charlie and Sue. It was entertaining to watch him flounder. I was also pleased at how easy it was not to kill him. So, okay, she's having a great fucking time. And again, Alice is probably watching this from the jungles of Peru and thinking, can this bitch hurry up? Anyway, so all this flirting actually does help her because then Max says, you must be up to something big and bad if you need papers or if you can afford to pay Jay's prices for them, I should say. So he's given her a hint that he's in the forgery business. So she goes up into a nice neighborhood and she goes into a building that says Jason Scott, attorney at law. So that's the alias name, Jason Scott. She gets let in, Jay Jenks slash Jason Scott, he's all in a tiz. He's like, ah, ah, oh my God. He's like, Mrs. Cullen, Mrs. Cullen, what a delight. He's all stressed and sweaty. And okay, so the way she describes him is a bit much. She says, I examined the man behind the desk. He was short and balding, probably around 55 with a paunch. (laughs) And then she describes his clothing. And then she says, I imagined an ulcer churning away under the spare tire. Okay, so he's carrying a bit of holiday weight. A a few Christmas kilos have stacked on. Like, who do you think you are? making fun of this guy's paunch and spare tire. Meanwhile, you only look so good because you became a vampire. But she's all on her high horse, thinking she's better than Jason Scott just because he's got a bit of a belly. And so he says, I must ask, am I finally meeting Mr. Jasper's lovely wife? And so she's like, ah, so he's only dealt with Jasper. And she says, nah, I'm his sister-in-law actually. And he's like, well, okay, well, Jasper should have gotten you to come to the main office. My assistance there would have put you straight through to me. No need to go through less hospitable channels. And she nods and she thinks, yeah, I wonder why Alice had given me the ghetto address. I don't know if we're still saying ghetto these days, are we? That feels a little bit like a loaded word, but okay, Bella's just dropped it. It does make you wonder why either Alice sent her there or or Stephanie went through all of this, by the way, like it makes you wonder. Anyway, so it's at this point where Jay Jenks, he says, what do we want? Do we want birth certificates, death certificates, driver's licenses, passports, social security cards? And she's like, oh, papers. Yeah, she's like, oh, okay. She figures it all out in like a second. She says, the only reason Renesmee would need a forger 
was if she was running. And the only reason Renesme would be running was if we had lost. If Edward and I were running with her, she wouldn't need these documents right away. But maybe they're not with her. And maybe all the secrecy was to keep this out of Edward's head because there was a good chance that everything Edward knew, Arrow would know. And so if they lost, Arrow would get the information from Edward and then they'd be able to hunt Renesme down. All this, even though they do have a tracker called Dimitri who can just track her easily. But I guess Alice is planning a scenario where maybe they get rid of Dimitri, still lose the battle, and then Renesme's just wandering around scot-free with a forged passport, as if that really matters that much. Like, if you're on the run from, like, the Vampire League, I don't really think you're going to be bothering with border control. And in what world will they lose and then she'll just manage to get away from Arrow? How the, how the fuck would that happen? But Bella's taking this uh, direction from Alice as pretty much confirmation that they won't win, but they have a good shot at killing Dimitri before they lose, giving Renesme the chance to run somehow. And of course, she's a child. She's like five days old, essentially. So she can't be running on her own. So she thinks, all right, well, Jacob can do it. She was like, that makes sense since he imprinted on her and he's a supernatural being as well. So she's like, yep, we need two birth certificates, two passports, one driver's license, and the names will be Jacob Wolf and Vanessa Wolf. So if you're coming up with aliases for them, like, is Jacob Wolf really the, the best fucking fake name you can get? Like, first of all, that's still his first name. And she thinks Nessie and Vanessa sound similar. So Vanessa Wolf would be a good name. Who are you hiding from? The Volturi aren't going to do like Google searches for Renesme Cullen and then be like, well, there's no Renesme Cullen on the books. There's no Renesme Cullen enrolled in school. There's no Jacob Black on the jury roll. So we can't find him. Like this isn't catch me if you can. They're vampires. If they really wanted to hunt and kill Renesme, they're not relying on a paper trail. So she gives them generic middle names, doesn't specify. Uh, She says Jacob can be 27 and the girl can be five. And she thinks, yeah, that'll that'll work-ish. She says, at the rate Renesme was growing, I'd better estimate high. And she's like, "Mm, Jacob could pretend to be her stepfather. And so then Jay says, I'll need pictures if you'd prefer finished documents. Although Mr. Jasper usually liked to finish them himself. And she's like, ah, that explains why he doesn't know what Alice looks like. Like pale and beautiful. Like that's all really you described her as, but okay, like who cares? And so then she's like, oh, hang on, hang on. She says, this was luck. I had several family pictures shoved in my wallet. What? Why is she walking around with a wallet? Why did they go and get photos developed? This is like the first time she's ever been away from the kid. At what point in time would she ever need like to show someone a photo of her child or to look at the child? And so then, okay, she realizes she's got photos of Jacob holding Renesmee on the front porch steps. And that was a month ago. And Alice had given her the photos just a few days before she left. And she's like, oh, Alice must have known. Alice must have known that I would need this picture. Maybe she'd even had some dim flash that I would need it before she gave it to me. And okay, but like, I don't know if you can just use like a Polaroid photo of Jacob and Renesmee on the front porch steps for their passports. Maybe the rules are different in America, but in Australia, you have to be this far away from the camera with this much lighting at the right angle in front of a blank wall. You can't be smiling. You can't be wearing glasses. You have to be dead eyeing the camera. 
If not, they'll just reject the passport. And yes, I know it's not actually going through an actual passport processing place. These are fake documents. So yeah, I guess the photos can look janky. But if they actually do go to border control or something or try and board a plane, do you reckon the person looking at the passport will be like, this looks like you've just put a holiday snap in as your passport photo. That doesn't look right. Oh, so they line that up and he's like, how soon will you need the documents? And she says, can I get them in a week? And he says, that's a rush order. It'll cost extra. But of course, you guys are loaded. So she's like, yeah, I don't care if it costs extra. A whole week seems long for a rush order, right? Like if I can order something off Amazon and get it delivered like in the morning, I feel like if you're paying a lot of money for fake documents, you can get them in maybe a couple of days. And she's like, give me a number. And I don't know what business he thinks he's in. Like he's doing a forged document racket, but he's too afraid to say the number out loud. Or Stephanie Meyer just doesn't want us to know the number for some reason. So he writes it down on a notepad and slides it across. And she's like, yep, that'll be fine. So we never find out what the number is. Maybe Stephanie just didn't know (laughs) what number would be glaringly ridiculous. She didn't want to Google or ask around how much a forged document would be. So she just didn't mention it. Anyway, so apparently Bella had packed a lot of cash that was just lying around the Cullens' house. So she was like, oh, that's nothing. I've got that. So she's just like, all right, here it is. Here's the money. And he's like, oh, you can just give me half now and half later. And she's like, take it. She's like, I don't give a shit. She says, and I'll pay you double once I get the documents. And he's like, you don't have to do that. And she's like, ah, don't worry about it. And then she says, not out loud, but to us, she says, it wasn't like I could take it with me. (laughs) Here she is just splashing the cash. She's just described how the Cullens have bloated bank accounts all throughout the world. Thousands and thousands of dollars of cash just stashed around the house. And what is she doing to like help world hunger? Like what charities are the Cullens supporting? It makes you wonder. It really does make you wonder. Anyway, so he sets up a place for them to meet next week at a restaurant to get the forged documents. And she's like, cool. She's like, all right, see you in a week. And that's the end of that chapter. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So then we go to chapter 34, which is declared. And she's getting back to the Collins' house and she hears Edward playing the piano. He's playing her lullaby to welcome her back into the house. Renesmee's fast asleep. Jacob went back to his own house and he's like, oh, how you doing? And she's like, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. And he can sort of sense that something's weird with her, but he doesn't get into it. And she's like, yeah, I picked up some uh, Christmas presents for Renesmee. That's why I was gone for so long. And he's like, okay. He's like, well, if you want to do a big Christmas, we can. And she's like, nah, nah, nah. I just got her this little locket from an antique store. So, okay, that's precious. And he's like, okay, well, let's go to the cottage. And she says, actually, I'd rather go and do some fighting practice with Emmett. And he's like, but it's nighttime. And remember, they have an arrangement where in the daylight hours, they prepare for the big battle, you know, for the fight of their lives, they prepare. But as soon as that sun goes down, they're rooting in the cottage. And she says like, oh, I'd lost a whole day to, to this. I, I'd like to practice. And he says, no. He says, there's plenty of time for that for tomorrow. And she's like, oh, don't be ridiculous. There's no such thing as plenty of time anymore. I've got a lot to do. And he says, no, do it tomorrow. And so it's like, okay, fine. So then we get a paragraph break. So I assume they go and bang the night away in the cottage. And then we pick up and we're still in that limbo space where she's training, both fighting and trying to expand her shield power. She's thinking about what Renesmee's life will be like when she's running off with Jacob and they're dead. She thinks that fake birth certificate's really going to seal the deal for her. There'll be no other problems for a half-vampire, half-human child with accelerated growth. No problems that can't be solved by a passport and a birth certificate. And then she also reminds us, you know, if Edward were to die, she would die as well. Regardless of whether or not her kid might like her hanging around, she's like, oh, if Edward dies, I'll kill myself. So that's cheery. That's a cheery thought. And then they do Christmas Day at Charlie's house. All of the pack were there. It was a big day. Renesmee got the locket. And Edward also gave her an MP3 player with all of his favorite songs, his top 5,000 songs. So yeah, that's a great little gift for the, again, like three week old. And on her wrist was an intricately braided quillute version of a promise ring. And apparently Edward had gritted his teeth over that one, but she's unbothered because she's like, well, yeah, soon I would be giving her to Jacob for safekeeping. So how could I be bothered by any symbol of the commitment I was so relying on? Uh, you could you could be bothered. I mean, he gave her a, like a promise ring. That's kind of fucking creepy. And Jacob, like, I know you've imprinted on her. So you're all messed up in the head and think this is normal. But maybe wait until she's 18 to give her a promise ring. She's a tiny little baby. Maybe give her a doll. Just something like less romantic, you know, just some knickknacks. But no, he's given her a freaking promise ring. Ah, oh, cuckoo. So then they leave and she spends paragraphs talking about how she might have to say goodbye to Charlie. This could be the last time she's ever seen Charlie. Even though we did chapters and chapters of that before she was becoming a vampire, we're now doing it again. And she's thinking, I might never see Renee again, blah, blah, fucking blah. Like I can't, I can't do it again, Steph. 
We spent so many pages and paragraphs and chapters worrying about Charlie. And then as soon as Bella became a vampire, Charlie was fine with it. So I, I, I can't expend the energy any further. So then they go back to the house on Christmas day and all the vampires are in a tiz because Alistair has left. And Amun, he is arguing with Benjamin because he wants to leave too. And Benjamin's like, no, I'm staying. And he's like, well, you're in my coven, aren't you? And Benjamin's like, I do what I want. And so then Amun's like, Carlisle, how dare you take Benjamin away from me? And Carlisle's like, I didn't. He's got his own free will, Amun. Can you relax? And Amun's saying, this isn't going to end well. Alistair was the only sane one here. We should all be running. We're going to be slaughtered. And Carlisle's like, it's not going to come down to a fight. And they're all like, it might. Carlisle, I love your optimism, but it might. And then eventually Amun's like, fine, I'll stay. But it might be to your detriment, Carlisle. I will join them if that's the road to survival. You're all fools to think that you can defy the Volturi. And they're like, okay, Amun, like, go take five, buddy. Like, go for a walk. We don't want to deal with your drama. So Amun leaves and Edward just says, oh, he's not leaving. Just to Bella. But everyone can hear because they're vampires. So he says it quietly to Bella, but he may as well be announcing it that he's just read Amun's thoughts. Poor Amun tried to do a storm out and do like a dramatic, like slam the door type thing. And as soon as he does, Edward's like, oh, he's not leaving actually. He's just keeping his distance. So Edward really took the momentum out of Amun's departure. (laughs) And so then Bella says to Edward, well, why did Alistair go? And he says, no one can be positive. He didn't leave a note. And I'm like, do you not read minds, mate? Like, yeah, you weren't at the house when Alistair left, but have you not been reading his mind for like the past week? And then Edward says, from his mutters, it's been clear that he thinks a fight is inevitable because he's been in the attic muttering about how he thinks a fight's inevitable. But also you read minds, Edward. Why are you just listening to his mutters in the attic? So then Alizar chimes in again because they're vampires. They all have super hearing. So he chimes in on their private conversation and he says, well, actually it was more than just the mumblings. We haven't spoken much of the Volturi agenda, but Alistair worried that no matter how decisively we can prove your innocence, the Volturi will not listen. He thinks they will find an excuse to achieve their goals here, which is sort of what I was thinking too. And Bella's like, yeah, that's why we've got a birth certificate and a fake passport to thwart them. Even though I still don't see how that would thwart them. And so then Stefan and Vladimir, the two Romanians that had petrified, they start having a conversation between themselves that everyone else can hear. And they're like, oh, I love this. They're like, oh, hope Alistair was right. I'd love for a fight with the Volturi. Can't wait. And Vladimir's like, you're so right. And he's like, and now's a great time to do it. Like, look around. This is probably the best time if we're going to fight with them. This is a good team to stand with. And he says, and if the Volturi win this conflict, they'll leave with more power than they came with because then they'll get that one over there who's a shield and that one over there who can move the earth. Talking about Benjamin. And then he says, with their witch twins, Jane and Alec, they have no need of the illusionist or the fire touch and they barely need the mind reader, but they will gain a lot if they win. And everyone's like, why are you talking about us as if we're not in the same room? So Stefan and Vladimir are like, yep, that that settles it. We're gonna have to fight them. And Carlisle's like, well, actually the plan is still to not fight. We're still gonna try and mediate and bear witness and all of that. And they're like, okay, sure, Carlisle. But as soon as the Romanians said, we will fight, then everyone starts to announce that they will fight too. It's sort of like the Fellowship of the Ring where Gimli's like, 
you have my axe. And Legolas is like, and my bow. And everyone's just like volunteering their talents, except it's the vampires. So it's like Benjamin being like, you have my water bending and earth moving skill. And Garrett's like, you have my adventurous spirit. And then Peter and Charlotte are like, oh, we actually haven't decided yet. And then Randall says, same goes for me. And Mary says, and me. And I made fun of Stephanie last week for not telling us anything about Randall and Mary, but she is really committed to not letting us in on a single thing about their personalities because she doesn't even give them like a jazzy descriptive word for their dialogue. It just says, the same goes for me, Randall said. And me, Mary added. Like, damn, she couldn't have even exclaimed it. Randall couldn't have said it whilst wiping his hands on a dish towel because he was washing the dishes or some shit. Like, can we not give him a bit of flavor? Even an accent, even an accent would be nice, but we're not getting any of that. Jacob's there as well. And he's like, oh, and the the pack will fight the Volturi. And everyone's like, yeah, we fucking know you will, Jacob. Thanks for the big reveal. They're not all like, oh, we've got Jacob. Everyone, everyone, Jacob signed up. Like, yeah, it was pretty much a given, though. So then Maggie from the Irish clan, she says, I'm in too. I know truth is on Carlisle's side and I can't ignore that. And Siobhan says, Carlisle, I don't want this to come to a fight. And Carlisle's like, okay, Siobhan, me neither. So why don't you concentrate and focus on keeping it peaceful? And she's like, oh, stop. And so then Bella's like, oh, I remembered Rose and Carlisle's discussion of the Irish leader. Carlisle believed that Siobhan had some subtle but powerful gift to make things go her way. And yet Siobhan didn't believe it herself. So it seems like it's still up in the air whether or not she has a power. So I thought, let's check the index, the vampire index, which tells us if they have a power or not via a little asterisk. And so let's look and yep, she has a power. (laughs) So, okay, there goes the tension of whether or not (laughs) Siobhan actually has a power. It's confirmed, she has a power, good for her. And so Siobhan's rolling her eyes being like, okay, so I'll just visualize the outcome. And Carlisle's like, yes, please do that. And she goes, okay, well, I'll do that. And that means there's no need for me to declare my coven because we won't be fighting because I'm going to visualize it. And Carlisle's like, great. And so, okay, that's it. Everyone's declared either one way or the other, or they haven't decided. And so then Bella, Edward, Renesme, and Jacob go out on a hunting trip just to, you know, fill up on some mountain lions while they wait a few more days before the big battle. And so while she's hunting, she's thinking about how Renesme is going to have to run for her lives if they can't get rid of Dimitri. And then she's thinking about her power, her shield power and how it works a bit differently. And then she's like, wait a minute. What if Dimitri's talent works differently as well? And he might be able to track me. And so then she's like caught in the loop thinking about how her power works. Like she's finally thinking about it for some reason. Like, I don't know why she's never thought about it before. And then she's like, oh my God, no, Renesme. And Edward's like, what? She's fine. And she's like, oh my God, no, Renesme has a mental talent and I can see the pictures she sends me. So my shield doesn't work against Renesme. She's like, oh, I've never thought about it before. And to be quite honest, I've never really thought about it that much either, considering I'm just used to the plot holes of some vampire talents work against Bella and some don't. But Bella's like, cheap as creepers. Oh, I'm an idiot. She says, I never questioned it. My shield has holes. And Edward's like, oh yeah. Like he's already figured that out ages ago. He's like, oh yeah, now that you say that, 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 that is interesting. And she's like, you knew, didn't you? And he's like, of course I fucking did. And he says, look, don't worry about it, doll. He says, either she's genetically half of you. 
so you guys are on the same frequency, or her talent is like both of our talents in reverse. So I read minds, she sends images to people's minds and you're a shield blocking everyone out and she lets everyone in or some shit like that. Or no, no one can block her out is the reverse of Bella's shield power. And Bella's like, yeah, that's an interesting twist. That, that certainly makes sense. I keep everyone out and no one can keep her out, which I don't, I don't really know if that is the opposite of being a shield, but whatever. Renesmee's an anti-shield. And so then that gives her like a little bit of hope thinking that Renesmee will be able to project her images to Arrow, even though Arrow could just touch her and see everything anyway. So I don't know why Renesmee has to bother. She's thinking like, oh, if she can just get close enough, she can make Arrow see. (laughs) Arrow can see whatever he wants to see. Uh, Anyway, so they're like, okay, well, there's nothing that can stop him from seeing the truth if Renesmee can get close to him. And so that's just like their plan now, which seems bonkers. Like how on one hand are you going to try and have her be close to the battle for the whole witnessing and trial and all of that crap so that they can see that she's not a vampire child, but then also have her be far enough away that the fake passport and the fake birth certificate can come into effect. Are the Volturi just going to pause and let her get a head start for when her and Jacob flee? I don't know. That's the end of the chapter. Let's leave it there. And I'll see you guys next week for, okay, maybe one of the final few episodes. We've only got a few chapters left. And I want to say it's getting all very exciting, but it's not. Jay Jenks was a flop. That was such a flop. I don't know what I was expecting, but ugh, I was disappointed. Like I thought we were going to get something juicy, but it was just paperwork. Ugh. What a flop. Okay, bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.